Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Debunking Economics Podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. And today, could a land tax replace income tax? Well, the shadow chancellor in the UK, John McDonnell, has been tackling inheritance. He wants less of it. Not a popular move, of course, by those who want to pass on their homes or their stash of money onto their kids. But under Labour, in the UK, anything you receive from your parents, either as a house or as gifts over a value of £125,000, would be taxed at 40%. But as a percentage of national income, inheritances have gone from around 6% in the 80s to around 12% today. And it's rising, so maybe he's got a point, because that inheritance largely goes to the wealthy, creating greater divides in income. So has he got a point? Difficult to enforce, I would have thought, as if tax wasn't complicated enough. So is there another way of avoiding this divide? Well, yes, maybe a heftier land tax is the solution. We'll look at that today on the Debunking Economics Podcast. So, Steve, we all pay land tax when we buy a house in the form of stamp duty. But, of course, that is a a one-off payment. We pay rates, and that's sort of like an ongoing land tax. But it's very small compared to the other taxes we pay uh, compared to our income tax, for example. But if we go back to the 1690s in the UK, that's going back a bit. uh, Land tax then bought into the Exchequer about a third of all national revenue over time. Because it was capped, and so it wasn't adjusted for inflation, it eventually became a very nominal value and and scarcely worth collecting. So it was finally abolished in the Finance Act in 1963. But there's a few hundred years there where we basically were paying a land tax. So my question is, is it worth bringing back? I mean, is it actually better than income tax in that, first of all, it's difficult to dodge. It gets over the issue of inherited wealth. Uh, and it stops people buying land as a place to hide money from ill-gotten schemes overseas. What's not to like about it? Seems like it's a an obvious form of tax to me. Yeah, it is an obvious form of tax in that sense. And the, I, mean, I see limitations of what it can do. I don't see it as a panacea. And this is one of the things that a lot of uh, people from a Henry George orientation really treat land taxes as the panacea. Mm. Uh, you know, or, or you know. You, Replace everything with you know, not so much like the old joke, you know. Just add, just add, uh, uh, just just add land tax, and bang, you've got everything you want. It's not that simple, and it doesn't address every problem. But it addresses major problems we're ignoring right now. And one of the obvious ones you've mentioned is people using real estate as a way of hiding uh, assets. Uh, I, I did a tour with um, uh, one of our patrons, Arthur Dewan, uh in the UK. Runs a irregular. Uh, tour of the the um, Russian oligarchs' homes in London, taking <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. You've got to go. You, you and Arthur hit it off like a house on fire as well. By the way, um, he's an opportunist, but, that's for sure. I like oh, the guy. Well, really. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he, <laughs> if he doesn't comment, he's in trouble. Uh, but yeah, Arthur, uh, with a Russian friend of his, organises a tour, taking you around all the properties. Not all the properties. He couldn't do it, mm. but the I mean, major properties that are used by 
uh, Russian oligarchs to, to hide their wealth in London, most of them unoccupied, and we're talking places which sell for tens of millions of pounds, and they're just sitting there because it's a safer way to park your money than putting it in a Russian bank account or many other bank accounts yeah. for that matter. And we've got to stop and, that happening, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And what a, what a land tax would do is any increase in the value of the land as measured by, uh, you know, rate calculations and so on uh, would be then a portion of that would be taxed. And the idea is that what you're capturing there is the locational advantage uh, yeah. where you benefit from, from improvements that aren't, uh, aren't your own doing. So like the classic in, in London, again, is the uh, the Queen Elizabeth line, it's called, isn't it? Yeah, the yeah. Lines when that's eventually opened, absolutely. If you if you happen to have had a house for 20 years that just happens to be near a tube station uh, and it's a new tube line, uh, then absolutely, then you benefit from it even though you've not paid for it. And, but I mean, there's also, it helps the fact that, you know, there's, uh, you, you know, people people are accumulating wealth in the southeast, uh, in the north of England, uh, no one's living there, land isn't worth very much. If you were taxed on your land down south, it might force more people out of London and uh, start to spread, you know, geographically uh, and even out the imbalances across the economy of, of, the, of the UK. Yeah, and like that, like another way of looking at that is um, this wonderful neglected work by a guy called Hertelling, uh, which is talking about bringing location into economic theory and how it turns everything mm. upside down in the sense that normally, you know, mainstream economic theory says, oh, well, just let the market rip and everything will be the, you'll get the ideal outcome. And what Hertelling, uh, the, the classic Hertelling image was of a, a beach with a uniform spread of, of swimmers on the beach and you have the very first uh, ice cream uh uh, vendor yeah. setting up business, where's the best position? Right in the middle of the beach. So people have to walk no more than 50% of the length of the beach. Yeah. Uh, if you have a competitor, where's the competitor going to locate? Well, the ideal situation for everybody on the beach is that the, the new, the old competitor moves to one third up the beach and the new one relocates to two thirds up the beach. And therefore, you rather have to walk half the beach to get the, um, uh, the ice cream vendor, you've only got to go one-sixth of the beach. So that's that's a dramatic improvement in utility for everybody. Yeah. Only, of course, if one of the – if that's where they start, uh, then if, if people don't distinguish between the vendors, uh, then the bloke is the two-thirds position moves right next to the one-third position and takes over mm. – um, you know, they takes over two thirds of the beach. So in reality, uh, they're both going to be in the middle. But if you had land tax, yeah, if you had land right. tax that was more expensive in the middle, then they might both go. Okay, it's cheaper for us to actually move to that one third position. So, uh, you yeah, know, that that might solve the problem. Look, I'm, I'm, I think I'm of the Henry George school. The more I look into this, <laughs> the more I think, well, what's wrong with it? So look, there's a report out. The reason why I wanted to talk about this, there's been a report that's been compiled for the Labour Party called Land for the Many. And mm. it's calling for a progressive property tax to replace council tax. And you sort of think, well, you know, okay, but could it go further? I mean, why not make property tax the main tax to replace income tax? Because it would stop people buying big, unproductive estates. It would encourage people to use land for productive purposes like farming or for housing. It, you know, it would stop property lying empty. Um, you know, we are, and we are taxing a, you know, the one of the few limited resources. We've only got two limited resources, haven't we? We've got energy, and we've got land. Um, so why not tax them? Yeah, I mean, I'm sympathetic, but I would also point out that, but the, the, 
things that Atlantax doesn't address, which is still important, and and what can be used against Atlantax if you propose it, which is bunkum most of the time, but actually uh, helps undermine the political acceptability of Atlantax. So the, the classic on that front <clears throat> is the sort of orphans and widows argument that you, uh, yes, you will have you know Russian oligarchs buying land buying expensive property to hide their wealth and so on. But you will also have the occasional uh, widow who uh, is living in the house that she and he, uh, he or she, widow is included, uh, shared with their now deceased spouse. Yeah. And the family's tied there and they don't want to move. And if they happen to be an area where the price levels are rising, they've got to pay a tax, which they won't have the income to cover. So they'll be forced out. And what you get is a in, yeah. in, in, what's, what is supposed which to be, be Which would be a shame, wouldn't it? But similarly, yeah. that, you know, they may sit on a house it suddenly becomes worth £10 million, say, and you go, okay, well, they don't want to move out of this house because it's the family home. But when they die, that's £10 million that goes to two kids who suddenly have £5 million each. That's inheritance. That means that they've got a a, a start in life that, uh, you know, kids up north uh, who are inheriting nothing, don't have. So yeah, that's yeah. adding to the inequality. I mean, so so you you could say, well, okay, if you're in a big house, then just get a reverse mortgage or something. Just, uh, you know, so you leave with nothing, but you still stay in the family home. Am I being a bit harsh? You, you, yes, you are being a bit harsh because for a start, reverse mortgage is one of those classic things that double compounds. So when you take out a reverse mortgage, rather than just paying interest on the existing debt, you don't pay interest on the existing debt. So the interest gets added to the existing debt and then you compound that. Mm. And that's a nice way for the bank financial sector to take over the planet, which is not something I thought you were particularly in favour of, mate. <laughs> no, all right. Well, okay. But another, <laughs> but uh, but the principle, whether how it's applied is what you're arguing about. But the yeah, idea yeah. that the asset that you're sitting on that you don't need when you die, mm. um, but you still want to use it while you're alive. There's got to be a way of making that happen. There's yeah, not can, that, it, yeah, it's the sort of thing you've got to think of when you design the tax in the first place, because if you don't think about it carefully, then bang, that's what the property level will hit you with. Mm. Uh, it'll be a minority of cases, but it'll be a very influential minority and bang, you won't get it politically through. So, I mean, if you if you look, the you know, the UK government has got a budget of around eight hundred billion pounds a year. There's, I think, twenty eight million households. So that's about thirty thousand pounds in land tax per household. If that was the only source of revenue, and of course, uh, many are going to be a lot less than that. And there's also going to be other property which isn't households, like farms and businesses. Um, but look, the smaller the house, obviously, the the less you pay. And the reason I like it is just the sheer simplicity of it. So we have a tax. And the other thing that brought me to this is the fact that I've just been doing my tax. And I think, you know, I'm paying 110 quid a a month to my accountant. I'm having to pay one in Australia as well right now. And, you know, when you're running your own business, uh, Mm. sorting out your tax suddenly becomes quite a chunk of, of money. Um, just to try and meet, you know, not even, I don't think any of my my accountants are doing anything to help me. They're just sticking with the strict letter of the law. And that's costing me a, a, a chunk of money because tax is so bloody so com- complicated. complicated. And yeah, it's getting yeah. more complicated all the time. And mm. obviously, the more money you have, the more your ability to evade this. So I'm thinking land tax is simple and impossible to evade, whereas income tax is complicated and easy to evade if you've got the right accountants working for you. Yeah, and that's that, and that's the dilemma that it weakens income tax overall. I mean, you've got to go back historically as well, like as you did early on and talk about just what is the scale of the state 
uh, in earlier days versus what the scale of it now. Mm. And why why could a thing like a, a land tax raise, you know, one third of the revenue, as you were saying earlier, um, without being... Um, you know, putting a, a catastrophic burden anywhere. And partially it's because the state was so much smaller back in those days. I don't have precise figures, but yeah. I've seen comments that the, the size the size of the American government sector during the 19th century is between 5 and 10% of GDP. And now if, if, I think it's pretty, pretty closer to the lower than the upper end of that bound. So, you know, all the stuff we read about the Civil War, yada, 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 uh, the actual level of the state intrusion as a component of, of the society was quite small. And what that meant was if you had, um, first of all, it didn't take a large tax base to finance its operations. And secondly, it, it's, um, it could run a surplus without taking a large amount of money out of the economy at the same time, if it tried running a surplus at various times. Um, and equally, if you, if you had money creation going on, then you didn't have an enormous inflationary impact out of that. Now, you fast forward to where we are now, with, when we're looking at around the world, governments being anywhere between 30 and 50% of GDP, if they finance themselves entirely by inverted commas money printing, there'd be an enormous injection of money into the economy, runaway inflation, yada, yada, yada. So you've got to take money out of circulation. That's the DMMT perspective on this rather than seeing, you know, rather than taxes financing government spending. Uh, government spending occurs because of the sovereign uh, capacity to create money and then taxation removes that from circulation. That wasn't necessary in the 19th century. It's vitally necessary now. The question is how do you do it? And income tax only really came in with the expansion of the size of the state largely during the Second World War. From my, again, I'm not, I'm not a, a historian on this, but that's what I've seen. Uh, the Great Depression, uh, Second World War, was when you started to get the development of income tax. Um, and now it's become, you know, when it first started, which was with the or something 70, 80 years ago, um, it was novel and, and can be simple. And, uh, you know, we were caught up with something rather more important at the time, like trying not to become um, uh, part of the, the Third Reich. And therefore, it was not the sort of thing people could evade easily. We've had 70 years of it now. Um, starting up back in the days of the Beatles when the marginal tax rate in the UK was 99% of income. Uh, and then people, of course, tax evasion coming of that, then an entire industry, neither you nor I can afford to take advantage of, of tax evasion. The laws have got more complicated in response, and it is a nightmare. Mm. So sim- the simplicity, if you didn't just say w- land tax, and I'm, 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 I'm going to keep banging on about this till uh, till he convinced me otherwise. But, uh-huh. uh, but, but, I mean, it seems to me... If you got rid of income tax altogether, maybe you don't just do it on land tax. But take take somebody who's got a uh, somebody who's working hard, but they've got a small house, um, mm-hmm. so they would uh, they, they wouldn't pay much tax because the, the you know they they've not got much land, but that helps them to. But they're not also paying income tax, so they have more money to to take home at the end of the day, and you know their business is going well. They grow, so they can say, well, okay, I'm still quite happy living in a. A small house. So, what do I do with all of this extra money? Well, they are they either spend it or they they invest it. Uh, if they spend it, then they're not paying tax. So, so maybe you actually have a land tax and a consumption tax as your two forms of of taxation. Both again completely uh, unavoidable. You know, you the land is evident. You're buying something. You're paying at the point. Both very simple. Uh, if you, uh, if you, you know, and, and working hand in hand, I could see that could be a model that could 
you know, um, leads us to uh, to abolishing income tax and all the difficulties associated with it. I'm just wondering if there's any, you know, is there need? Is it just so simple? I, I mean, the reason why, of course, you you start to change income tax is because you're trying to look after poor people and trying to create exemptions. Um, and I'm just wondering whether that matters too much. If you're if you're poor, you don't have much land. If you're poor, you don't buy much. Well, this is, I mean, I wouldn't go for some consumption tax. I'd go for a transaction tax. And actually, mm. again, some patrons have been mentioning that to me in, in, in discussion points, ways in which transaction tax could replace income tax. Now, I think, uh, yes, that's feasible. But what, when you have to be careful, when the, the, the classic instance of uh, unintended consequences, and I can point out one just looking out the window where I currently live, you know, currently in Amsterdam, I've been bought a place here. Um, and you know why all the houses here are so narrow? Uh, people are thinner, aren't they, than uh, <laughs> than they are in Great Britain? You've got well, wider houses with wider doors in Britain because we're all fatter. Is that the reason? I'm sure I'm. No, no, no I'm sure I'm right all, on this. Of course you are. There was a tax based on the width of the properties, right? And therefore, people made them very narrow, very tall, and very deep. Yeah, which is crazy. So, yeah, which but, is crazy. It's partly this wonderful architecture of Amsterdam, but it's not particularly wonderful when you climb 61 stairs to get home each day. Yeah. And that's what I was doing at the place we were, I was renting here previously. So, um, but the, that's one of those quirks. People will literally, uh, a, particularly when you're talking about developers, it's uh, taking advantage of this. If you buy this place, it might be narrower than the other one, but you're going to pay less land tax. So when you design something like this, you have to say there's going to be the impact bringing the tax in will itself alter the behaviour you're trying to uh, exploit. What? So, yeah, I can see. Yeah. So, um, but that it's, that's a question of how it's applied, isn't it? Which uh, and the repercussions of that. I, I can see one of the concerns I'd have looking at it. Obviously, is uh, how you're valuing land and whether it's used for commercial use or for residential use, for example. Mm. So, are we going to yeah. outprice farmers? Are we going to? But the, but you know, I, I guess. Again, it depends on how it's applied. So if you are close to facilities, uh, like the centre of town, then the value is going to be higher. So that's going to be used for residential use. If you're a long way from anywhere, it's going to be lower. So that's suitable for for farmland. Um, So, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean. uh, And, you know, business rates then could be replaced with the land value tax as well, because you're basically it's calculated on the rental value of the of the local commercial land. So I can, you know, I can see it. I can see it working. It's just a question of how you're pricing it is the is the big concern. How how do you price it in a way that you don't distort it so that you get developers uh, using up good farming land, for example? Mm, yeah, no, but it, it's uh, to, to me, it's also just addressing one half of the um, income dynamic, because if you look at the, 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 the foundation of one thing, I haven't read Henry George is one of those books that's um, sitting on the on the, my virtual bookshelf to be read at some point when I have time. Uh, but when I've had it explained to me by Georges, it comes down to fundamentally being based on Ricardo's theory of rent. And so I'm going to take that as my starting point. And Ricardo's theory of, of, of rent said that if you have a, a you imagine a, a virgin territory with land of differing quality, um, then when it's the first start, uh, you know, the first occupied, people will use the highest quality land, and that's uniformly used to produce food output. So uh, you, you you can't charge more rent on one block of land because you're all using the same quality. As population expands, then you have to start using lower quality land to produce uh, produce food, and therefore the 
the gap between the productivity of the lower quality land and the productivity of the highest quality land becomes rent you can charge on the highest quality land. And they're saying that's the source of rent. And when you look at what's going on, the, again, the logic is that as you expand the population, uh, the people who were first and, and bought that land first off are the ones who benefit, not through anything they've done because of change in society. So you then tax the land rent effectively to uh, distribute that back to society, which is the real source of the gain in the first place. So that's that's the basic argument behind it, and I think it's 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 solid. The trouble is that there's also, if you like, that's a spatial explanation of where wealth comes from. Um, you've also got the uh, increase in in wealth from, you know, as you mentioned, energy exploitation is another factor. Mm. Um, it's it's not capturing the class side of income distribution. It's not capturing ownership of the means of production and so on. Um, so I've got my, I've got my, I don't want to see this put across as a panacea, but I want to see it from the modern monetary theory point of view. And that is see it as a way of taking money out of circulation already created by the state to finance, to finance, to finance its activities. And what's the best way to do it? And without a doubt, I think the income tax has just become a total farce. So we have to find other things. And land tax, inheritance tax, and transaction tax is uh, ways we could go back to replacing what income tax really does uh, with far less complexity than we have at the moment. Well, you look back at, uh, you know, the days of Downton Abbey, which, you know, is not that long ago, really. You've got, you know, look to the uh, the 1900s and you've got people who owned big houses in Britain who were clearly paying tax on that. And then you've got all the people working downstairs in the kitchen. I'm fairly sure they weren't paying any tax whatsoever because Mm. they didn't really have any land and uh you know why should they be paying tax when they're you know they're really serfs <laughs> really are they in reality but look if we look land values used for dwellings in the uk according to this report this uh, land for the many report which is worth a read uh, which has mm-hmm. been just been presented to the labor party um land use values used for dwellings in the uk have increased uh, almost 600 percent since 1995 the mm-hmm. market value of all land has quadrupled in the last two decades. Uh, so the increasing recorded wealth uh, as a result of that is four trillion pounds. Now, that wouldn't happen. We wouldn't see those increases if we had a reasonably hefty tax on land, would we? No. And then the, the other side of it is that, uh, of course, what's causing that isn't just the proximity effect. It's the mortgage effect. Mm. It's banks creating more money, which is then used to buy assets, which drives up asset prices and so on. Yeah. And the, the asset bubble itself could be un, could be unwound or could be prevented from getting too extreme by a land tax based on that. Because it stops speculation. Because yeah. why, why buy land if you know you're going to get taxed on it when you could uh, uh, you, you could buy um, speculative investments on the, uh, on, the, on the stock market and you're not going to get taxed on that apart from capital well, gains? That's where, again, transaction tax would be a wise idea. Because what we've got is a, is a world you know, which is Keynes's classic comment about a casino. When the, when, the, when the management of your economy is a byproduct of the operations of a casino, the job is likely to be badly done. And that's exactly what we're seeing at the moment. The incredible increase in inequality is really because people can evade income tax, yeah. uh, putting the money into, into property and shares, not pay tax on that, and then... It's not them that are being whose whose money is being scraped to, to take money out of circulation. It's in terms of things like income tax. It's the it's the middle class and the poor who are being scraped, and of course that cuts back on their consumption 
in the first place when they're the ones who are likely to consume versus the um, the, uh, the super rich, and they they end up being screwed by income tax rather than the, the the ones you wanted to target back in the days of high progressive taxation rates. Yeah, well, I mean, this is pretty much what this report is saying. You'll like this. It says that house prices are not just determined by demand and supply. Uh, it's also the purchasing power of landlords and speculation uh, and speculators, and the distribution of that purchasing power. So, of course, a hefty land tax would stop that speculation in a flash. I mean, people would buy land to live on or to work from, uh, and it would get rid of speculation. Not entirely. <laughs> Still, uh, and never underestimate the capacity of a speculator to, to find another way of being reborn. Um, I remember talking to some people uh, I know in the finance sector who have been in, invited to briefings of the Bank of England. They said we're the only criminals who get advised by the, by the police as to how they're about to change enforcing the law. And uh, with, with this, they've got a, a, a nice person from the Bank of England explaining what the new procedures are going to be. And as they're talking, all our minds are spinning over working out how can we evade this one. So, um, you know, they'll, they'll find a way around. But, yes, you have to target it, not ignore it. That's what current laws do. Right. But, I mean, it's harder, though. I mean, I, I don't know. If, it's, if, if the land is there, I mean, the other, the other element in all of this is transparency, isn't it? Mm. Because mm. The, we don't know uh, who owns what. Um, in in this country, so it's it and so it becomes and how much people are paying. So you know how much you the tax office goes after people they know about. Of course, you know it's the people they don't know about that they have difficulty with. Land is there, uh, and you know you've got to record that you own it, so you get total visibility on all of this. Uh, yeah, at the same time, uh, not so, because when you take a look at uh, the ownership of some of those Russian properties, they're passed through various trusts. Um, and in fact, some of the, I've just heard, just had explained to me recently that some major organisations are set up as trusts um, so that they can make bequests to their, to their owners um, and then completely evade any income tax whatsoever. I, I had somebody talking about this with the IKEA family. I'm not sure that this is the case, but I'll just say the logical idea that it's actually owned by a trust uh, and the trust membership of the trust, the board of the trust selects who are members of the trust as well, and they make bequests to people that include the owners, of the, of the, the original owners who no longer own the company, but it's all been completely disguised by a trust, trust structure. Now, uh, and that's one reason that so this particular company is incorporated, I think, in, 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 um, I think it's in Germany where this is feasible rather than in Sweden where the company originated. So you have all these uh, little curlies that can exist. Um, you know, who owns this building? I don't know. It's a trust. It's mm. a charity. What are you doing trusting? But, you know, uh, you, you, you've got to tax the church as well. It's, so there's, there's, there's lots of curlies between this and idea and actually implementing it successfully in society and what can, you know, I, I just want to see. But whatever the structure, whoever, it, you know, yeah. okay, maybe the multi, some form of multi-tiered ownership for a lump of land. But if somebody has to declare it and has to pay that tax, do we do we care? You know the the pattern that that sits beneath it. The, you know the yeah. the, the trust that sits beneath it. Yeah, the title's got to be registered somewhere. There's got to be some yeah. bank account it's linked to. Yeah, which is simple. You know, and I think all of this is there has to be uh, a, a a simple way of dealing with tax. So, okay, maybe it's not just land tax. 
Uh, you're saying a transaction tax as well. If you had those two, mm. would you need any other form of taxation? Does that does that look after the distortion? So land tax looks after the geographic distortion, doesn't it, of uh, of, of the economy? Uh, mm. And I think it does it in quite a good way. If you if you supplemented that with a transactions tax, what would that be adding to the to the equation? Well, again, you don't get any. If people would move the point of speculation from the housing market to the stock market. Mm. That's you know that's one obvious thing. If you want to evade taxation and you have capital gains tax that isn't as high as income tax, then wham, you whack your money into the share market, and, uh, and so you just basically move from one asset market to another. So you have to be ready to capture. You know, no matter where you go, you're going to find a transactions tax, and in that sense, a land tax is a particular form of a transactions tax. Uh, you know, ownership plus transactions. So I'd want to have both there, and I wouldn't want to bring them in. Uh, you know, 100% replacement the next year. You know, in the next budget, bang, we go from income tax to uh, to land tax. Um, the, even a change like that itself can be utterly disturbing. I'd rather start off at the low, low level and say this is going to be increased over the next X years to um, to these levels, and then you would have a chance to modify them as you grew because, you know, again, you don't know what evasion tactics are going to be used. Uh, you don't know what un- unintended, you know, the, the, the widows and authors consequence are going to apply. Right. I thought it answered the uh, widow's one. I, I don't, because it's, <laughs> because it's, it, I, you, know, you, might, you might answer it, but will you wait for the political campaign over it? Yeah, for and sure. Like, well, all of this you know, is very difficult, difficult. Polit- I mean, whatever you do politically is going to be difficult because those people who are in a position of privilege are always going to argue against anything that gets taken away from them. So if you're looking yeah. at a fairer system, you're always going to have, have a political problem because there's people who don't want systems to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. And that's indeed the case. So, so yeah, but so I mean, right. uh, you know, we're t- we're talking ideals in 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 a way, um, but at some point, I think you know, there's 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 got to be a shift. And uh, relating it to the to the land, I'm just looking at how you get over because if you look at the the problem of geography in this country and in Europe, uh, you know, around the world, you have areas where capital accumulates uh, geographically accumulates, like in the southeast of England. Uh, and that is just such an inefficient system because you end up creating congestion, pollution, um, also a lot of wasted time. Whereas in the other parts of the of the country, you've got people who don't have work. You have to support with with welfare. Uh, their land is worth a you know a, a lot less. Uh, I mean, I've been up to the north of England recently visiting some friends who live in Thirsk in North Yorkshire, which is beautiful. And the, the lifestyle is no doubt better than the weather's a bit crap, but the lifestyle is no <laughs> doubt better than in the southeast of England. You can buy so much more for your for your money. Uh, a beautiful town, um, you know, looks like very easy living. You know, it raises the question: Why aren't more people there? Um, and yet, people don't because this pull to the southeast in the UK is so strong, and that's because. Everything is there. There has to be a way of sort of trying to see some more geographic spread. And I, look, if it's not, it's it's not going to happen from income tax because that's unrelated to geography. But yeah, the but land the other, land tax would but, help to fix that problem. Yeah, let's actually make one more point about land tax on how you can evade it. Don't live in the country. I mean, and this, when you talk about the, the uber rich, we already know. You know, uh, mm. a lot of them live in places like Monaco. Um, if you uh, if you actually succeed in this, then bang, the Russian oligarchs will, could sell their properties. Not a bad thing, I might add. Uh, bang, but the money goes offshore, you're, and you know, the prices end up falling. 
uh, the, which is, you know, again, again needed, that's going to change your calculations about the amount of revenue you're going to make out of the tax. It won't work out the way you expect and the rich will move offshore to evade it. So it is, it is possible to evade it. Uh, unless you charge it at the global level, which of course we won't do. So it is you know, to argue that it's, you know, you can't evade it because land is land. Yes, you can because you don't buy, you're no longer buying that country. So, right, uh, so we won't have any rich people uh, living in Britain, is what you're saying as a, as a result of this, because it'll be too expensive for them. Well, so they won't potentially. Be <laughs> but, it, but if they want to run their businesses from here, they have to live here, unless they're going to fly in every day. So no, listen, there's quite a few who do that. So uh, will we miss them? It, is the question. I mean, it's. I, <laughs> I mean, if they, if if they, if we're a market, you know, and you've uh, look, if, uh, look, there's 65 million or however many million people it is living in the UK, uh, which is a market that people want to sell to. And okay, what do you? And and that means 65 million workers as well, or you know. Well, okay, we won't get the kids to work just yet, but however it works mm. out. So there's a lot of people here as a market and also a, as a as a labor source. So you're going to run businesses from here. So uh, and if you are making, you know, if you're making a mozza out of it, where are you going to live? Well, either you can live locally in the UK and pay tax, or you can you can live overseas. And we guess what? With income tax and living overseas, they're not paying not paying as they much as they have to anyway. So they're probably still already living in Monaco. And so I'm just so what what we're stopping them doing is is buying big houses, uh, which they probably don't live in most of the time. Uh, and, you know, uh, is that a bad thing? Are we well, going to miss it, them? It, it's more complicated than than, than, a, than a first pass would suggest. So I think, again, bring this thing in slowly. Don't just have one taxation base, include transactions as an alternative and see if you can bring the income tax down and still achieve the target of running a, you know, a, a deficit that generates the amount of money the economy needs as it grows over time. Right. Very good stuff. Uh, we'll leave it there. We'll all go off and read Henry George now and uh, see if we can pull it apart even further. But it's a, it's a, you know, it's it's one part of a new path, isn't it? I think potentially, yeah. <laughs> but there are uh, slips, twigs, slips, and cup, as the old expression goes from Shakespeare. <laughs> all right, very good. Thank you, my learned friend. Uh, we'll catch you again very soon. <laughs> okay. So there we are, Lantes. You can tell I'm a fan, uh, if only I was Prime Minister. Next time, well, here's another thing that we would tackle if we were in charge of the country. Is there a better way of funding retirement? A YouGov poll recently showed that almost half of all Brits doubt they're going to have enough to live off in old age. So is there a better way of funding people living through those latter years? Find out in the next Debunking Economics podcast with Professor Steve Keen. I'm Phil Dobby. I'll be back as well. See you then. 